Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're about today with Mark Chalmers, CEO of Energy Fuels. Wanted to catch up with regard to the sustainability uh, report that they uh, put out just for Christmas and also the refreshed ATM. If you want our thoughts on that conversation, those topics and the company itself, and of course what they're doing in the rare earth space, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports. Uh, there's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies which are exclusive to uh, the club. There's also training videos on there to help you get a little bit better at doing diligence on your investments. Plus there's summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you a lot of time. And of course there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice safe environment, free from trolling and abuse. And isn't that a nice idea? Uh, so go to cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Mr. Mark Chalmers, how are you doing, sir? Excellent, Matt. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Now, we didn't speak that long ago, but I was uh, keen to pick up the phone because your share price has gone nuts and I want to talk to you. Well, it has gone nuts. And, and uh, yeah, look, at it's, um, uh, it's been a very interesting few weeks. I think it was about two or three weeks ago that we last chatted. And I think we were probably you know, in the threes somewhere, mid threes, and we're now north of $4. So, um, yeah, we're very uh, pleased with the reception. Uh, that we're getting for what we're doing on this critical minerals hub. Well, there you go. I think, and again, that again, part of the reason I want to speak to you, I want to sort of understand this story because you laid out some of the stepping stones for us at the end of last year. Some of some of those things that you were looking at, and you and that's only been a few weeks, but you're having conversations with some partners. You're having conversations with the U.S. government. You're seeing what's happening in the in the marketplace, and you, you've you've talked to us about your ambitions. With regards to tackling this kind of critical minerals um, hub, which I think uh, people are talking about, how have your plans evolved, really? And have, have you yet got a plan or any guidance for what's going to happen this year? It, look, it's um, it's evolving very quickly. I mean, you're aware that we've got this long history as a uranium producer, the largest producer in the United States. We've got inventories. Uh, we've got the only primary um, vanadium plant, and, and we produce vanadium. Um, so as we move into to the rare earths, um, this, this, this whole concept of how we're packaging it up, the critical mineral hub, I, I don't know how I can get any more excited about that, man. I, it's, it's, it's necessary. Uh, the government recognizes it. I think investors recognize it. Um, you know, it really opens up um, a, a really broad opportunity for our company and our investors. Right. But so how, how do you go about planning this? OK, because you've got to be careful here. Your shareholders are bought into you as a uranium company. OK, there's some vanadium component there, too. I, I mean, are you leaving that behind? Or are you going to focus just on the rare earths component? No, we're not leaving it behind by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, we're just adding to it. And, and the fact that the rare earths um, contain um, material quantities of uranium that we can recover, uh, it, 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 they just fit together perfectly. So we're just expanding the horizons here. And, um, and again, I, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's all setting the stage on how valuable our company, all our assets are, but particularly the White Mesa Mill and the flexibility of what it can do. Um, Recently, we released our um, sustainability report, yeah, and if anyone has seen that or read that, 
I would um, ask them to do so because it shows just how powerful energy fuels is when it comes to improving the environment and recycling a lot of materials that wouldn't be recycled otherwise. So please take a look at that. Uh, if you haven't, uh, it's on our website. No, I, I read it. I'll, we'll put a link to it um, below in the description because I, I did read it. I was impressed. Well, what kind of got me about it was the way that people perceive uranium companies. I think, you know, you have uh, detractors in the marketplace that uranium companies come across this, nuclear comes across this. But this desire to be seen as a part of the green economy, the green solution. Okay. But you've taken it a step further with that report. I mean, wh why did you commission it? It's very common now for companies, particularly as they get larger, to, to be doing sustainability reports. Um, we're also um, uh, focusing on trying to reimagine the, 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 um, the vision of energy fuels um, and uh, that we are a green uh, uh, job creator and, and can do so much more for the environment and reducing carbon emissions. So uh, this, this entrance into the rare earths um, has helped us, again, broaden that base. And I think that the realization is people understand to reduce carbon emissions, you need rare earths, you need uranium and baseload energy, uh, and you also need to recycle. So, so the sustainability report was just sort of a first step. But I, I, I say that uh, our shareholders and, and, and the, the market as a whole should look at a, a new reimagined uh, evolving company, Energy Fuels, uh, going forward, and and as I said, I, I cannot be more excited than I am about where I believe we're taking the company. Okay, reimagining. Re I, I, I like it when companies reimagine, or, or you know, I think Elon Musk tell me he says you got to get back to first principles. So, what is it that you think you can be? What are you trying to be? I think again, I, I agree with you, Matt. That you know, people have this. You know, when they, they think about uranium, they think about industrial um, facilities, which they are industrial facilities, but they don't think of it in the context of, of you know, really the good that you're doing. They just see industrial. So, I, I'm, you know, it's, it's my goal that we, 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 we roll out a, uh, a, a greener, cleaner look to the company. Uh, we're in the early stages of it. It will take us some time, but uh, we're still not. Uh, running away from the uranium business at all because that's all part of the plan and, and we've got all the facilities and deposits and projects that, that, that you know of. Um, but um, I, I think that it, the time is right to people to better understand uh, the green element of the things that we do. Right. So can that be done? Because if I look at in fact, I've had conversations with people like, like Jack Lifton and, uh, and John Hackaway, he, are rarest experts, you know, they're credible, they're, they're, you know, their track record is, you know, uh, hard to challenge on that front. They say that you guys are the one possible company that could put this together because um, others who have tried it uh, aren't able to manage and control the whole of the supply chain, which means there's a dependence on China for some component of it, which then make, you know, that means that the pricing element, the control around the pricing element falls over, you know, funding uh, falls over. So you've got a few challenges ahead of you, as, as far as I can see. You've got to get the right partners on board, first of all, to be able to deliver that ent entire supply chain. And you've got to get the US government on board. You know, are you going to be able to do those things or is this just wishful thinking? It's, it's not wishful thinking. You, you, you've got to have 
a vision of where you're going here. And we will build this step by step. And I think that, you know, our announcement in April that we're getting into the rare earth business, the people that have joined the initiative in terms of advising me uh, with, with decades of experience. And then you saw the uh, Kim Moore's agreement that we signed up. Uh, we are focusing on other uh, supply agreements, both upstream and downstream. And uh, it is my goal that will people will see, investors will see more of those agreements be signed, uh, signed up. And the picture starts looking a lot more clear when you see that we are building this thing up uh, from really first principles uh, in a very quick and very effective way and, and how uh, we're trying to move forward in this whole rare space. You know, as I've told you, Matt, you know, what we're doing is, is, is effectively the same thing that CNNC and the Chinese have been doing for the last few years with the focus on monocyte, the highest grade, lowest cost uh, feed material. Um, for producing rare earths. Uh, we, just, we just are focused on doing it in a different way. I mean, we're in the United States. We're operating in, at, at Western um, uh, practices. Uh, you know, we've got uh, state-of-the-art uh, facilities for handling uh, our tailings. And um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to look at our version of how we're doing this. So, uh, again, it looks, um, uh, you know, let's, let's take it a step at a time. But I think we've made huge progress, huge progress. I think we've surprised the rare earth industry, not just in North America, but the entire world at how we've moved and how purposefully we've moved um, with the steps we've made in the last 10 months. Okay. But I, I do buy that because you have you have moved uh, extremely quickly with, and brought some partners on board, which like a lot of people have heard of, like, like Neo, et cetera. Um, but here's, here's the other bit that people are going to be, who are new to this, are going to be looking in and thinking and going, hang on, if I look at these huge lakes of dirty pollution in China where they've been producing rare earths, but at a cost, how can you assure them that you're going to be able to process this, this monocyte for you know, so hunting down the you know, NDPR component of it in, in a green way. It's, it's talking green and being green are two different things. Are you going to be able to deliver? First of all, our facility is located in, in the United States. It's, it's uh, regulated by the state of Utah. It has a long history of a very, um, um, very uh, clean uh, track record of the way we've operated for the last 40 years. We're very proud of that. Uh, it has these state-of-the-art um, uh, disposal cells, the RICRA cells, triple line, uh, designed for a thousand years. Uh, and and look, we're, we're we're looking at how we can kind of rebadge that in a in a in a more um, uh, maybe better optical way. Uh, I don't think that maybe over the last uh, 30, 40 years, I think that the uranium industry uh, and the uh, nuclear industry hasn't necessarily had the right optics and. And the one vision that I, I want to uh, leave with uh, shareholders and people watching this, this video is if you look at the new small modular reactors and you look at the buildings that they're, 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 they're talking about, uh, they're very modern and they're very clean um, and, and they just don't look industrial like they used to. So I think, I think that people are realizing that the aesthetics of, of, of how you package and present uh, what you're doing is an important element because uh, people look at industrial uh, facilities and they say, well, it's just an industrial facility and it might be bad. Not necessarily bad, it's just the, 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 the vision of it that it leaves sometimes. So, so look, it's early days. 
Um, watch this space. Um, you know, we'll we'll be seeing how we can go forward here um, on on all fronts in a very holistic way, um, but also hopefully a, a, a very a pleasing uh, you know, vision for the future of creating green jobs and reducing carbon emissions. Okay, you, okay. You announced uh, a an agreement with Comores on some monazite. It was a you know a good good solid. Uh, it was a three year agreement, I believe. What uh, what what does that look like going forward? How do you grow this thing? I'm, I'm sorry to focus on the rare earth component because I, I know the uranium market is going crazy at the moment. I think the expectations you know across the board because the supply demand story are absolutely there. But we we talked about that previously. And we know how you're positioning yourself, and we, I'm sure we can talk about it again. But just today on the rare earth component, you know where where do you see or do you see your ability to actually grow? And get more and bigger deals with people like Camus. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, we we need to to scale this up. Uh, the Camus deal is a three year deal. Um, yeah, it's relatively small quantities, but uh, I believe Camus thinks that they can uh, flex this up maybe two two and a half times over time. Um, it is a very very good first step. Uh, it allows us to uh, basically test out the mill. Uh, as we go, went from the laboratory scale to the one ton scale. Uh, now we're kind of moving up to about 20 ton scale and, and early in the new year, we're going up to 500 tons or so. Um, so we're able to scale it up with, um, uh, in a very controlled way so that we can uh, better understand things like reagent consumption and recoveries. Um, but but we, we plan for other feed and we need other feed. And, um, you know, when we made the announcement with Camores, um, there are other people that are phoning us up or sending us emails and saying, hey, would you consider our monocyte? And, and, and we're looking at these things. Uh, as we are looking at uh, other steps of the supply chain, uh, you know, in through at least into separation, some of these other steps that we don't have those capabilities right now. So uh, it's, um, you know, as I said, it's a very similar uh, the Chinese don't have uh, the monocyte mines. Um, they basically opened for business and people showed up. And uh, I think they had somewhere in the order of about 50,000 tons in 2020. I don't know the exact number. Um, and, uh, you know, we're trying to you know, see what sources of monocyte are out there. And as I said, it's a known fact that monocyte, um, the heavy mineral sands uh, material with the uranium in it. And I want to emphasize we recover the uranium. It's, this is a uranium ore for us. With this material, it is some of the best sources of rare earths out there in the world, and that is a known fact. So we think that in itself um, is a substantial advantage, uh, and also considering the fact that White Mesa is fully constructed, uh, operable, um, uh, permitted to, to handle these materials, um, and it's ready to go right now. It's interesting to me because we, we spoke to a few fund managers looking at you a little bit more closely now, and they're comparing you to the Linuses and, and the uh, Mountain Passes or MP as it is now, um, in terms of what they think you could be. But to do that, you're going to need to say address the the, the volume of contracts, the, you know, the volume of feed with Monazite presumably coming in here. But you're also going to need to demonstrate not just the extraction technology, but the processing technology and, and, and further along that supply chain. Um, what are you doing about that? Well, um, you know, we're, we're aligning with people with the 
the long history and skill sets uh, to take these next steps. Um, you know, we, we've mentioned, you know, with our relationship with Neil and Constantine and his team and Jack Lifton and, and uh, Brock O'Kelly, um, you know, we are looking at the next steps of separation with some of the world experts on that front. So when, you know, I've said this before, if people say we, we don't have the expertise to do this or don't have the knowledge, that's baloney. We do, and we're securing that. We know what we don't know. And I've said this many times to you on your show here. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that what, what, what we're, 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 we're packaging ourselves, that we're, we're moving smartly, uh, we're moving purposefully, We've got the right people aligned. We've got the right facility in the right place. And we're looking at the right sources of material to get the best outcome possible, the lowest cost outcome possible, and to be as world competitive as we can be. And, um, and I don't think anybody can challenge us on the direction we're going in that regard. We still have work to do. Hopefully people are watching each of these moves we make because they're very purposeful, very focused for a specific reason. And it is our goal to be a significant world producer in the order of magnitude of the Linuses and the MPs in due course. Right. Okay. I know the, so thank you. I know you've got the brains trust involved here. You've got the people that you need with the expertise and not just the experience, but the reputations to deliver that. And, um, you're going to need some some money to do that, and I noticed again over a Christmas period, you refreshed the the ATM. So why did you do that? Why why then? And what are the terms? Nothing comes for free, Matt. And um, you know you, you're very aware that we like to hold around forty forty five million dollars of cash or working capital uh, at all times to give us the capacity we need to do all these things that we're planning to do. And I look at the ATM as maintenance capital, just to kind of keep uh, keep that cash balance uh, in, in that $40, $45 million range. Uh, the beauty of the ATM is you don't have to use it or you can use it when you want to use it. Um, it's got lower fees. Typically fees are you know, a couple percent rather than a uh, doing a t- traditional financing where they're gonna charge you at least 6% uh, in fees and, and perhaps a discount in, in uh, warrants. Uh, so it's it's substantially lower cost than traditional financing uh, methods. Now, I know there's people that don't like the ATM, but as I said, I view the ATM as a maintenance capital um, uh, instrument, and we refreshed it for $35 million, and, um, and, and so that gives us the capability. You know, one of the problems, if, you're, if you don't have the ability to capitalize on things like raising capital at the right time, uh, you, you miss the opportunities. And as I said, um, that was refreshed, it's in place. Uh, if you look at it, our current market caps, it represents you know, six, 7%. If you, if, you, if you completely exhausted it at one time, we're not gonna completely exhaust at one time. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very effective. So, um, but we, it, it costs money to do things like go into the rare earth space and uh, we're not going into it casually. Uh, we're not going into it with large capital expenditures yet, but we are gonna make sure we have the funds to grow this opportunity with our uranium capabilities and our vanadium capabilities. Uh, and we'll grow it in a way that um, is more cost-effective than others that don't have the facilities that we have. 
Okay. I know the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club, but I'm intrigued by the relationships you have with the US government, the conversations you've had off the back of the 232 uh, discussions around for, for uranium. Those relationships are still there. What would the US government want to see in place? What involvement will they have? Uh, and can the US as a whole, I know you're talking about being the uh, US critical minerals hub, can the US do an end-to-end -end solution for rare earths? Yeah. Well, to answer the last of your question, um, I think the US can reestablish its abilities to produce rare earths quicker, faster, and lower costs than people think. And, um, and, and that is, uh, that's my belief. Uh, does that mean it happens overnight? No, but I think we can do it quicker than some people think. Uh, so that's our main focus. Uh, when it comes to the government, uh, yes, we have a lot of relationships uh, in D.C., um, particularly through that uh, Section 232 and the Uranium uh, Nuclear Fuel Working Group process. Uh, many of those uh, people also have a big focus on the rare earth. So um, if you go back a couple of years, we, we weren't we weren't focusing on rare earths. So a lot of these people are now understanding the, the, the capability of White Mesa, now that we've opened it up for other critical materials, they're very excited about that. So I think it's, a, a, again, something we will build on, uh, and uh, but we're gonna build on it by doing what we say we're gonna do. Uh, we're doers, we're not promoters. I've been doing this, uh, at least the uranium business, Matt, as you know, for 45 years, I have done projects all over the world in Africa, Australia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, um, United States, um, you know, in-situ um, conventional byproduct. Um, so well, we're doers and, and I'm, I'm very, very uh, excited about the team we have around us, both internally and externally, uh, how we're positioning our balance sheet um, and our ability to move forward um, quickly and smartly, as I said earlier. Okay. So, so I'll ask it more, more simply, is this something that the US government wants to see in place? Yes, it is something they want to see in place. Um, the, the, the thing that, that um, and, and we're gonna, we're, we're doing, uh, you know, uh, well, certainly our relationships with the US government, uh, we did this initial uh, study uh, for the coal-based resources rare earth project that we, we submitted our report on that. Uh, incidentally, just at the end of the year, there's another phase of that that's coming up. We'll see if we get awarded that or not. Uh, I think we have a reasonable chance because I think we pre prepared a very um, well thought out and, and uh, technical document uh, in that regard. Um, and the US government does want to uh, reduce dependency on critical materials. Uh, but at the same time, when you, when you deal with the United States government, you kind of have to move at their speed. We're, we're probably moving quicker than that, but we're certainly going to be open uh, for any support that we get with the U.S. government or other countries that are partnering with the United States government to reduce dependency on critical materials. And that includes countries like Canada and Australia and Europe. So um, as I said, let's, let's take it a step at a time. But 2021 should be a very exciting year for us as a company. Um, and as I've said before, I don't think there are any peers 
of energy fuels. There's nobody that's doing the uranium and the rare earths and the vanadium and some of the recycling uh, that we do or the land cleanup. So there is no peer group for what we're doing. And again, this is where we're really going down some sort of uncharted um, uh, waters here. Uh, you know, I think the Chinese are the, the closest to that, but, you know, we'll be doing it our way in the United States of America. Mark, I love the reimagining of what it is that you are, what you're going to be. I look forward to, you know, hearing the story throughout the year and seeing you deliver on what you say you're going to deliver. Appreciate your time today. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, Matt. And I look forward to our next chat. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.